This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Uh, good morning again, and this morning, as we continue to worship, uh, we have the great gift to hear from Dr. Roger Elliott. Uh, our church has, has been around for 150 years. This is the 150th, 150th anniversary that we've been celebrating, uh, of course, over the course of the last, uh, this whole year. And as part of that celebration, as we celebrate 150, we've invited uh, pastors to come from our past to come with us and preach with us. And we weren't sure how that would happen uh, throughout the year. And so uh, we've been very, very gracious to have many leaders still come with us. And Dr. Elliot is one of those. Uh, he came to join our church family in 2012 uh, from June till August. He was not here a very long time, but I know that for many, myself included, uh, he was a great gift, had a great impact on my life, a great impact on the life of this church, and we are so thankful for him. I'm thankful for his leadership. I'm thankful for uh, the way that he models what it means to be pastor and the way that he steps in and leads uh, in some incredibly gracious and humble ways. Um, as Dr. Elliot comes, I want to thank him for coming. I also want to invite our children uh, to a time with our children, our children's church time this morning. Uh, there'll be a link on your screen today that you can go visit at apexumc.org slash children or on our YouTube channel uh, for the Apex UMC children. Again, we're so thankful uh, to welcome Dr. Elliot this morning. Dr. Elliot. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for those uh, kind words. Friends, it's good to be with you. Uh, it's always good to be here, and I, I feel honored to have been asked to come to be a part of this celebration of 150 years of ministry here in this area. Uh, I certainly am honored to be among those group of pastors who've served here. Now, my tenure was short, but I enjoyed my time here, and I always enjoy coming back to be a part of this fellowship of believers. I want to begin today by reading to you a few passages of scripture. They're very brief. First from Matthew's gospel, the 13th chapter, verses 54 through 56. And in this passage, Jesus is back in his hometown and he's not being received very well. Jesus came to his hometown and began to teach the people in the synagogue. So they, so they were astounded and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these deeds of power? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all this? And I want you to particularly hear one line or one verse of that scripture. They said, is not this the carpenter's son? And then I want to read to you this same account, but found in Mark's gospel, the sixth chapter, the first few verses. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Listen again to that last verse. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Lord, we are thankful that you are with us in this hour. We are thankful that your holy word speaks to us time and time again in such fresh and wonderful ways. Help us this morning to hear your word, to act upon it, and always to try to live it out every single day of our lives. For it is in your name we make this prayer. Amen. Today is Father's Day, and I want to speak for a few moments this morning to fathers and grandfathers, and I hope others of you might listen in, because I think what I'm going to say is applicable to other relationships, such as with our spouse and with family members and with friends. So I hope you'll take these words and apply them in a helpful way. I read those texts a few moments ago because I want us to think about Joseph, Jesus' father, his earthly father. We might say his stepfather. We don't know much about Joseph. Joseph is, is traditionally thought of as a carpenter, and we have this little bit of evidence here in this text, one of these texts about that. You remember it said of Jesus, is this not the son of the carpenter? And then we have in the Mark text a different bit of wording. Is not this the carpenter? Now I think we can assume here, and rightly so, that, that Joseph was a carpenter and, and that he taught his son this whole business of being a carpenter. And I think Joseph also taught his son about being a follower of God. Now we, as I said do not know a lot about Joseph, but we know he was a dedicated God-fearer. We know that he believed in God. When he was about to take Mary as his wife, he found that she was pregnant. He was ready to, to divorce her in a quiet way, but an angel spoke to him and said, Joseph, you can take this woman to be your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And he did that. And after the baby was born, he again was warned in a dream not to stay there in Bethlehem. And so he moved his family to Egypt and then later came back to his home area of Galilee and to the town of Nazareth. Now, I wanted to begin this message this way because it's important that we understand this relationship that Jesus must have had with Joseph. I think Jesus loved his father. I think he saw him as his example. I think he learned a craft, a trade from him. And then he also learned about God. It's been said that if we have a good earthly father, it's much easier for us to understand God Almighty as our heavenly father. Whereas if we've had a father who's not been very good at it or who has been abusive in some way, it makes it more difficult to understand Almighty God as Heavenly Father. Jesus understood Almighty God as Father. In the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus gives us the great prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I think it's either 10 or 12 times in that chapter, Jesus refers to God as Father. And he does this over and over again in these stories that we have of Jesus, in these accounts we find in the New Testament. Jesus was influenced by his earthly father to understand his heavenly father. 
Now, I say all that simply to say this to our fathers and grandfathers. Our example matters. Now, I know sometimes fathers think, well, nobody's really noticing or it's not that important. I want to tell you without any doubt in my mind whatsoever, it's very important. Dads, we need to understand that our children are noticing what we're about. There is an old poem. It has many versions, but I like this particular one that speaks about this very thing. There are little eyes upon you, and they're watching night and day. There are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There are little hands that are eager to do all the things you do, and a little one who's dreaming of the day he or she will be like you. The American author James Baldwin once wrote, Children have never been very good at listening to their elders but they have never failed to imitate them. Fathers, your example matters. You're being watched and heard. There's a story about a, a little boy who came down to breakfast on a cold, wintry morning. And as he started his breakfast, he looked around and said to his mother, Where's Dad? And the mother said, well, he's outside changing a flat tire. And the little boy immediately jumped up and grabbed his coat and started out. And his mom said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to help dad. She said, son, you're too young. You don't know anything about changing a tire. He said, but mom, I've been out with dad before when he's changed a tire. And I know all the words. Well, maybe that's a negative example. Let me tell you a positive one. Bill Henson was a wonderful United Methodist preacher who served in uh, one of the Texas annual conferences. He had a very large church there. Bill died several years ago, and it was a great loss to our denomination. He had many wonderful stories, but I remember one he told to a group about his son when that son was a seventh grader. He said, we were outside in the parsonage yard playing basketball. I'd taken a couple of hours off that afternoon to do that very thing, to be with him. And he said, we were having a great time, but then we, start, we started to get interrupted by phone calls. Not for me, Bill said, but for my son. It was a girl, a seventh grade girl, who liked the son and who wanted to be his girlfriend and wanted them to go steady. Well, the son was a little bothered by this. He put up with two or three calls, and then he got very frustrated. And finally, he went to the phone and he said, listen... Don't call me anymore. I don't want to be your boyfriend, and I don't want to go steady. And Bill said with that, he could hear on the other end of the phone this loud screaming from the girl using all kinds of profanity. And after she'd calmed down a little bit, he said his son John said, and that's another thing I don't like about you. I don't like your foul mouth. And the girl shouted out, well, everybody in our class does it but you. And then Bill Henson said, his son said something that broke his heart in a good way. He said, my son said to her, my daddy doesn't talk like that. And until he does, I'm not going to talk like that either. I want to tell you again, friends, our example matters. 
I had a dear friend who was a pastor in our denomination and in our annual conference who was from West Virginia and would tell from time to time a story about a, a, a coal miner that lived in a little village not too far from his. It's a true story. He said that the coal miner and his wife and his son never attended church like many in that village. But he said a new young preacher came to preach and he would even go out to where the miners were at their break time and he would talk to them about Christ. He would talk to them about the church and invite them to come. A little bit reminiscent of John Wesley's day. But on one occasion, this coal miner decided he wanted to hear the young man preach. And so he told his family on Saturday, we're going to such and such church tomorrow. We're going to hear the young preacher. Well, they went, and not only was the preacher there and the congregation there, but the Holy Spirit was there, and that Holy Spirit touched the words of that pastor, and that miner got converted, and he came down to the altar, and he made his profession of faith. And as the pastor continued to talk to him, he suddenly jolted to attention and turned back and looked at his family, and he said to his wife and his son, this is too important to stay there. Come here, join me. And they came. And one of the assistants to the pastor talked to the wife and another one talked to the young boy. And, and the one talking to the boy said, son, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And that boy gave this answer. What did my daddy say? Son, do you believe that your sins are forgiven? What did my daddy say? Son, do you believe God forbid that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? The boy said, what did my daddy say? And the woman said to him, your daddy said yes to all of that. And the boy said, if my daddy said that, I say yes to it too. Now, I'm sure there had to come a time in that young man's life when he had to make that decision for himself, not on the coattails of his dad. But his dad's example got him in the door, got him moving in the right direction. I want to say to you again, our example matters. A Christian father holds in his hands eternity for his children. Second thing I want to mention to you today is that our presence matters. Now, I don't want people to look at each other and start feeling guilty. It's impossible to attend everything our children do in this day and time. And I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting that we try to attend many of their events and that, and that when those events are very special to them, we make sure we're there. A judge tells a haunting story about having to sentence a young man he knew to three years in prison. He said to that young man, uh, do you remember your father? And the young man said, yes, judge, I do. And the judge said, well, I remember him too. He was a very distinguished man. He was, a, he was an expert in his field. He wrote a definitive work, a scholarly work on, on his area of expertise. What do you remember about him, son? And the young man thought for a moment. He said, judge, I remember when I was seven years old, I came home from school and I'd been in a fight. And I I was bruised up and I wanted to talk to my dad and all he could say was go clean yourself up. I don't have time. I got to finish these notes. And he said, I remember being 15 years old and my girlfriend at the time and I had broken up and my heart was broken. 
And he said, I, I went in to talk to my dad in, into his office. And he said, son, I don't have time for that now. Maybe later. And the boy said the later never came. Judge, he said, I, you remember my dad as a scholar. I remember him as a father and a friend I never really had. It is said that the judge whispered to the bailiff as, as the boy was led out, in ha led out in handcuffs. Well, the scholar finished his book, but he lost his son. We often hear, it's not, it's not the quantity of time, it's the quality of time we give our children. That could be said of our spouse, other family members, friends. could even be said, I think, of our relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you that that phrase, not the quantity but the quality, is a cop-out. We need to do both of those things. Even in our relationship with Christ, we need to give time. If we really want to be able to sing what a friend we have in Jesus, we need to give Jesus some time. We need to give spouses some time. We need to give our children our time and our attention. I love the story about a little girl who was at the dinner table one evening and they'd finished eating and the dad had grabbed some paperwork to do and Finally, she said, Daddy, how much money do you make? And he said, enough. And he was gruff, trying to put her off. She said, no, Dad, I want to know how much do you make an hour? He, he knew about how much he made, but he just threw out a figure. He said, oh, $30 an hour. She said, Dad, can I have $10? He said, no, I don't have time for this now. Get on to bed. Later that evening, the man thought about what he had said to his daughter and how he had dealt with her, and he felt badly about it. The next morning at the breakfast table, he told her that he was sorry. I want to apologize to you, he said. I, I was gruff last night, and I didn't mean to be. I had a lot of things on my mind, and I'm sorry, and I hope you'll forgive me. And here is a crisp $10 bill. And she got it in her hand and she went over to her dad and hugged his neck and went running to her room. She came back in a few minutes with her piggy bank and she opened it up and threw out the money on the table. And she said, Dad, there's $20 in here. And with the $10 you gave me, that's 30 Dad, can I buy an hour of your time? Talk about a dagger to the heart. Charlotte Ford was the daughter of Henry Ford II. She had everything. But she wrote in her journal these words. We didn't see much of my father. He was always away or coming in from work after we'd gone to bed. We had a Christmas tree and presents and all that. But looking back on it, I think I would have been much, much happier to have had fewer presents and more parent Fathers, allow this retired preacher to tell you a truth that is absolute. I've lived it and I've observed it. Your example, your presence matters. It's the two life-changing gifts you can give to your children. I want to close with a final thought. Back in the 70s, there was a songwriter-singer by the name of Harry Chapin 
And he wrote a lot of good songs, but one of them at the time was called Cats in the Cradle. And I'm sure some of you remember it. Let me share just a little bit of it with you. Uh, I remind you it's about a father and a son and the son wanting attention and the father not giving him much attention. It begins... My child arrived just the other day, came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. He was talking for I knew it, and he grew, and as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. And in one of the verses, the boy turns 10 years old and wants to play catch in the front yard with his dad, but his dad's too busy, and he says to him, I'll do it later. And then we got this last verse. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu, but it's sure been nice talking to you, Dad. It's sure been nice talking to you. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up to be just like me. My, my boy was just like me. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. We'll have a good time then. Not then, but now. Let us pray. Lord, help us to take seriously our responsibility as fathers and grandfathers and examples. Lord, help us, help us to care enough to give a good example and to be present. We know that your son loved his earthly father and it taught him a lot about loving his heavenly father. So, oh Lord, help all of the men in this church to realize they have little eyes and older eyes upon them and ears who listen intently. Oh, Lord, help us to remember the words, not then, but now. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>